Today on Bob and Yurt Live, the prosecution gave its closing statement in defense of Rittenhouse. No, I did not just misspeak. We're going to be going through some of the closing statements and more arguments against Kyle. Then finally, a CNN reporter mocks parents who don't want porn to be shown in school. Should we sexualize our children? That's not a trick question. The answer is no. All of that and more today on Bob and Yurt Live. Greetings to the brightest audience in the country. I am Dominic Enyart. The jury in the Kyle Rittenhouse case was sent home last night around 5.30 local time, and they were set to continue this morning looking for a verdict. And it's always upsetting to me how long these decisions take. When something is this clear-cut and obvious, it should be a fast decision. I'm talking... I don't know, five minutes maybe, if that even. The first time I heard of Rittenhouse, I was like, oh yeah, he's innocent. And every single shred of evidence put forward since then has further supported him. So it's concerning to me that it's taking them this long to figure out that he's in the right and that he's fully innocent, not just innocent, but that he's a hero. And it's also concerning because the left-wing media has made it so the jury is unable to come to an unbiased conclusion because they're, of course, having to take in consideration the idea that they'll be doxxed and that there will be riots in their hometown, etc. If you remember with the Derek Chauvin case, uh, it was similar where it was impossible to get a fair trial whether or not you think he was guilty or innocent. It's hard to deny that his trial was ridiculously unfair because of the pressure put on from the media and from the mobs and from the rioters. By the way, the Babylon Bee, which they are absolutely hilarious, they had a great headline. The court asked Rittenhouse to defend the building from rioters while awaiting the verdict. Absolutely hilarious. We'll link to that from today's show page at kgov.com. Recommend checking that out. So they both need to have, the jury, they both need to have moral wisdom to know you're allowed to kill someone who's trying to murder you. And they need to have the courage to do what's right with the consequences that will certainly come their way. And they need to remember to do right and risk the consequences. This, of course, is just another reason why our justice system is such a piece of garbage. My predecessor had a saying, it's no longer a justice system. Now it's just a system. And I love that saying, but I don't fully agree with it. I, I mainly do. But I don't fully agree with it because it's not just an arbitrary system. It is a system that is used as a weapon against the innocent, very intentionally so. And it's not accidentally that way. It's intentionally that way. So it's not just a system, but it's definitely not a justice system. People say that we have the greatest justice system in the world, and you'd think that if we did have the greatest justice system in the world, we'd also have the lowest crime rates in the world, which we obviously don't. You know, we have riots in the streets. So remember when you hear that we have the best justice system? What that actually means when you hear that, what the person who's saying that is actually trying to say is that we have the highest paid lawyers in the world. That's what that means. 
But so take Binger, for example, the DA. He gave his closing statements yesterday. And I think sometimes he gets confused about which side he's supposed to be on because he's trying to attack Rittenhouse as he is a soulless lawyer. But he keeps accidentally defending Kyle, I, I think. And Binger, Binger, he keeps making a fool out of himself, which you just love to see. I don't know if you if you guys saw the picture. We'll put it on KGOV. Uh, on the show page today as well, but of him pointing the gun at the jury with his finger on the trigger, again, demonstrating his catastrophic lack of gun knowledge. You have to see that picture. We'll have it on KGov. It's horrifically embarrassing, but so he's been a bumbling fool for the entirety of the trial, which you love to see it. You just got to love, but here's some of his closing statement. Let's hear this. So what does he do that night? Oh, let me tell you all the awful things Joseph Rosenbaum did. He tipped over a porta potty that had no one in it. He swung a chain. He lit a metal garbage dumpster on fire. Oh, and there's this empty wooden flatbed trailer that they pulled out in the middle of the road and they tipped it over to stop some bear cats and they lit it on fire. Oh, and he said some bad words. He said the N word. So, okay, this guy's closing argument against Rittenhouse is literally just saying the guy he shot was a terrible person. Oh, is that all he did? Commit arson after he repeatedly raped kids and threatened to kill Kyle Rittenhouse and then actually tried to kill Kyle, which was the very thing that forced Kyle to defend himself? Is that all? You know, I tell you, with these prosecutors, man, it, like defense attorneys, they're going to be out of a job with prosecutors like this. Uh, his closing argument for why Kyle should be punished is that the people he was defending himself from were awful people. And what kind of an argument is that? I mean, I'm not upset that that was his argument. He, he decided to use if someone's going to argue for something evil, it should be a, a stupid argument. So I'm all for that, but I genuinely don't know what he was even attempting to do with that by the way in a murder trial the past wrongs from well before the you know quote-unquote murder they're not especially relevant to that trial but i suppose it's nice that binger reminds the jury about how terrible these people were so that is nice but it is mainly irrelevant uh then he also mentions the one dude said the n-word as if that's no big deal and as we know the left they think you should be killed and your life should be ruined just for saying the N-word. So pretending it's no big deal really isn't your best strategy. Um, by the way, the left and their hatred for that is actually a good thing. You know, there's a lot of things we can criticize the left for. And we're usually right, but a broken clock is right twice a day. So if the left ever accuses someone of being vulgar, it's good to recognize, oh, that's good that you think we shouldn't be vulgar. That's a good thing. Good, good on you for that. Of course, their motives aren't pure in, a, in cases like that, but they are correct that we shouldn't say the N-word. So good job, liberals, for figuring that out. The arguments really only get worse from there. And there have been a lot of really, really bad, just atrocious arguments throughout all of this. One I keep hearing is that you're not allowed to defend yourself if you have a better weapon than the person attacking you. Now, if someone is attacking you, you have the right 
to be able to defend yourself, even if you have a gun and all they have is a skateboard or a baseball bat. You know, if they're mid swing with that baseball bat and they're mid swing at your head, guess what? You can shoot them and you should shoot them. Not to mention the main reason that you buy a gun for self-defense is so that you can defend yourself against someone who would otherwise be stronger than you. The idea that you'd throw out the concept of self-defense because you have a better weapon is absolutely asinine. We hear also that Kyle crossed state lines. That's one thing you hear a lot. Oh no, Kyle Rittenhouse crossed state lines. You know why they say that? They've obviously never cared about borders once in their entire life before this Kyle Rittenhouse thing. Never once. But they do. They care about borders now. And you know why that is? The reason they say that, they don't actually care about borders, but the reason that they say that is because it sounds a lot more severe than, oh, he drove 20 minutes, right? Does that sound like a big deal? Oh, he drove 20 minutes? No, but, oh, he crossed state lines. That sounds more severe than he drove 20 minutes. By the way, he works in Kenosha. He has a lot of friends in Kenosha. He has relatives in Kenosha, and he's there all the time. It's right on the border, and it it makes perfect sense for him to be there. Anyways, that's a tangent. I'm sorry I ramble because I get very annoyed by the insanity. But back to the gun. The prosecutor says if you have a gun, you lose the right to defend yourself. Let's hear this. He brought his AR-15. That's why he's got to come up with this cockamamie theory that Joseph Rosenbaum was not only going to take the gun, but take it and then turn it on the defendant. And the defendant actually told you that he thought Joseph Rosenbaum was gonna take that gun and not only kill him, but kill other people, which is really ironic considering the defendant is the one who killed people in this case and the only one. But putting that aside, they have to convince you that Joseph Rosenbaum was going to take that gun and use it on the defendant because they know you can't claim self-defense against an unarmed man like this. You lose the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun, when you're the one creating the danger. Now, he's the only one who killed someone because if that dude had taken the gun, he would have used it to kill everyone else. So we should be thanking Kyle, in fact, for saving many lives that night. So from here at kgov.com, Kyle, we are so thankful for you for protecting our neighbors and protecting yourself. What you did helps teach criminals that you cannot try to kill someone without there being serious consequences. And for that, we are all so thankful here at kgov.com. He says that you can't claim self-defense against an unarmed man. So two things. One, apparently, if you're unarmed, you can't attack someone. Ladies, I want you to be careful of Binger, the DA here. If a strong man comes and tries to rape you, you don't have the right to defend yourself, according to Binger, because he's not armed and he doesn't have a weapon. So him trying to rape you is not an attack. And so you can't defend yourself of that because he's not armed. That's according to Binger. But no, Binger, you are a lunatic. Being armed or unarmed has nothing to do with self-defense in this case. And you are an embarrassment to... Well, to all of humanity, frankly. Uh, by the way, not that it matters, but one of the guys in this Rittenhouse case, he had a handgun on his person. 
And when the one dude tried to peel Kyle's gun away from him, he placed his hand on the barrel and tried to take it away. Now, legally speaking, as soon as his hand was placed on the barrel of the gun, he was armed, just legally speaking. But anyways, that's beside the point because it was he was completely justified. Binger also says that it was an insane theory that Kyle just had to make up out of thin air that, that he was going to kill him with his own gun. And Binger says that this is that in, this insane theory. After the dude said he was trying to kill Kyle, he actually said, I, if I see you, I'm going to kill you. And then he backed up his words with his actions, chasing Kyle, and Kyle gave him every opportunity to back off. But he didn't. He tried to kill Kyle, and then he got what he deserved. He messed around, and then he found out. He messed around, and he found out. And so those guys who got shot, they got what they deserved. And I'm thankful for Kyle that he shot them. By the way, I gave a quick announcement before yesterday's show. On Monday, I was saying that Gun Rittenhouse had was in full accordance with the law. We went through the Wisconsin statutes and I was claiming that he'd be acquitted or rather that he should be acquitted of that charge. Then yesterday on Tuesday morning, uh, he was acquitted, which is great news. And the judge threw that one out. Let's hear this. Is the firearm here now? Yes. We can either measure it or you can stipulate that it is. it does not meet what I've stated are the requirements. Um, and if it uh, is out of compliance, if it, if it is, if the barrel length is less than 16 inches, or an overall length less than 26 inches, then I'll deny the motion. If it does not meet those specifications, then this most, uh, defense motion will be granted. We are not disputing that the barrel that the barrel length is appropriate. Is it legal? It is not a short-barreled shotgun or a short-barreled rifle. Yes. Either by barrel or by overall length? Correct. All right. And then count uh, six is dismissed. So that's just perfect. That's great news. Even the prosecution said that the gun was fine. So to all you libtards out there, stop saying the gun was illegal. Even your dear own prosecution reluctantly admitted that. Even the people on your side admitted that. So just stop. For goodness sake, just just stop. And that really was the best shot they had at throwing the book at Rittenhouse. And, well, that's down the drain, which is phenomenal news. Um, well, I guess that's the best shot they had other than relying on the mob and political pressure on the jury. Uh, but just, huh, yeah, and every single point is in Kyle's favor. Every single one, without exception. And you're trying to ruin the poor kid's life. It's, you're, you're insane. And, you know, that chalks up most of the political conversations that I've had as of late. You know, the left is insane. And that sums that about sums it all up. <sighs> all right. Uh, moving on now. A CNN reporter defends pornography in schools. Actually, before I get to that, I wanted to mention um, 
this isn't in my notes here, so I'm just going to be winging this. But people have been saying that imagine if Rittenhouse was black and how much worse it'd be for him. And this is so frustrating to me because a few few different points. One, everybody in this trial and in this situation, they're all white. Kyle was white. The people that tried to kill him were white. And when he shot them, they were white. There was there was nothing about racism. None of, no racism here anywhere in sight. And they're trying to make this a race issue, even though it's clearly not a race issue. And, you know, there was just that that gang shooting in Chicago this weekend. And it was two, I believe, two black gangs. And they shot each other and no one cared. And then they went home the next day. No one cared. It didn't matter. During those BLM riots where Kyle was at, there were tons of crimes committed by black BLM rioters, and those crimes went completely unpunished and unchecked. So the fact that Kyle is white has absolutely nothing to do with this case. If he were black, it would be no different, or you know, it might even be better for Kyle in this situation. But anyways, that entire point is just absurd. Um... But so, moving on, a CNN reporter defends child pornography in schools. But before that, it is our Telethon Month. Today's show is sponsored by Susan S. from Colorado. Susan, thank you so much for your support. And if you guys have enjoyed today's show so far, you can thank Susan. It's our November 2021 Telethon. We typically set a dollar goal like 30 or 40,000, but this time we're looking for 20 new monthly donors who will sponsor one show a month. Being on the air isn't cheap. We, we run about 20 broadcasts a month and it costs us about 150 bucks per show. And you know, we operate on such a small budget. And in the past, we've relied heavily on those large dollar telethons and the big donations. That was when Bob here, now the ministry has much less security. And that makes promoting Bob's resources, his recordings, his sermons, his Bible studies, his topical videos, his TV classics, his radio show. There's a lot to promote. It's a vast, vast library of resources. And promoting that is a daunting task on such a small budget. So if you and just 19 others can help us guarantee that the show goes on, Bob's biblically centered teachings will go out to thousands more. The ministries of so many godly leaders, authors, and preachers have been magnified tenfold or even a hundredfold after their passing. Think of C.S. Lewis and how he today has such an impact on millions of lives. And we have no doubt that Bob could have a similar impact. And your sponsorship of just one show a month would be such a massive force to magnify this ministry and the gospel. So if you can help and sponsor just one show a month, that would be such a blessing. Or maybe you can sponsor half a show a month or a third of a show a month. And those month you can also do it just as a one-time thing. But the monthly sponsorships are really what we're going for because that gives us some long-term security. The one-time sponsorships really are appreciated, but the monthly sponsorships are what we're going for the most. Either way, we are extremely thankful, and we will do our best to continue the ministry and continue putting out content like we are right now. If you enjoy our content and you want more of our content, that is the best way to keep it going. And we're not sure that we're going to be able to keep it going. It it all depends on you and if you want us to keep going, that's up to you. It's not up to us because 
while we're willing to put in the work, we don't necessarily have the money to put into it. And that's where you can help out. All right. So now reason number three to get your kids out of public school. This is a, oh, I said, uh, I said CNN before, but I think this was actually from MSNBC and this guy, he's mocking parents who are concerned about pornography in schools. He thinks it's rather funny. Let's go ahead and hear this. I was just to say real quick, all those parents worried about pornography in the literature. Kids ain't worried about pornography in literature. You better take your son's phone and take a look at what that bad boy is downloading. You Maybe. Be- you better. You Hel- better hello. Go- Go to go to that go to that uh, that school that school dance and see what they're doing out behind the school, baby. Come on now, these parents acting like they were teenagers. <laughs> Hello, and they don't have their Hello. kids' passwords, so even if they got the phone, they couldn't see what's on it because they don't even know what their kids are watching on Thank the phone. You. Hello. So first, he starts off by saying kids aren't worried about this, and it's like, well. Yeah, they're kids and the, the, it's the it's the parents job to be the ones concerned about raising their kids. It's not the kids job themselves, you know, and there's this push to let kids figure out what they're going to do in the world. And no, kids need guidance. He then says, go to that school dance and see what they're doing. And it's like, yeah, exactly. Get Go to the public school dance, see what's going on, and then realize this is a disaster. This is awful. I'm going to get my kids out of this school right now. So parents get your kids out of public schools. He says, these parents are acting like they weren't teenagers. And well, he's right. Maybe like in his circles, the adults are pervs. They were pervs when they were kids and they still are pervs. And so him being a pervert and his adult pervert friends It doesn't seem like a big deal to him. Like, oh, sexualizing children. It's no big deal. It's, you know, it's nothing. It's nothing new. And then that other, the other host there, she comes in with that incredible insight there. Hello. You know, never has such a wise word been uttered. The spoken word, you know, it is what a beautiful, beautiful thing from our friends over at MSNBC. Hello. You know, what a wise, what a wise observation. But so these libs, they find it humorous that we should protect our children from pornographic content. And it's not that they disagree. If they disagreed, that'd be, you know, enough on its own to be terrible. But it's not just just that they disagree. It's that they think it's funny. They think it's funny that we would want to protect our kids from being sexualized. And they're saying, oh, it's already on their phones. So it's perfectly fine. If they're exposed on their phones at home, they should be exposed to it at the schools. And it's like, no, that's exactly wrong. You got it exactly backwards. First of all, that's like saying, well, kids already do drugs at home. So if they do it at school, that's fine, of course, which they obviously, uh, they don't agree with. They probably will agree with that here in another few years. But secondly, we should fight for them to not be able to watch it on their phones and for them to not be sexualized away from school. That should be the attitude. And since it's not, that's reason number three to keep your kids out of public schools. They want your kids to be exposed to pornography and they will fight tooth and nail to get that done. By the way, he is right. If you give your kids a smartphone, they are going to use them to watch porn. That's just the way kids are. You know, a lot of parents say, hey, well, I trust my kids. 
Well, you shouldn't because they're kids and they haven't developed that discernment yet. A lot of other people will say, well, like, oh, hey, my uh, my kids will need to reach me. Now, my parents were very against getting me a phone for this reason to protect me against pornography. And that's an argument I used. I said, you know, I'm going to need to be able to reach you. There will be important situations where I need to call you. And that was my argument that I that I presented to them. And so what did they do? They didn't get me a phone and I was fine. I was perfectly fine. I could not have been more fine. Eventually, they ended up getting me a flip phone. And a lot of people will say, well, oh, hey, you know, the kids, uh, the other kids will make fun of my kid if I get him a flip phone. And it's like, yeah, you know, with me personally, some kids did snicker at me for being a dork with a flip phone. Yeah, that happened. But that was fine. I got over it in about a week. But you know what I wouldn't have gotten over in about a week? I wouldn't have gotten over being addicted to porn at the age of six. I would not have been able to overcome that in a week. A few weeks of kids snickering at you is way easier to deal with than having a pornography addiction starting at six years old. I promise you that. So parents, take your kids out of public school and take away their smartphones until they're old enough to handle them. But so these MSNBC anchors, they're mocking parents who are concerned. And, you know, if if we have parents who've successfully protected their children from this disaster... You know what these MSNBC anchors will say? And you know what the left always says when there's a situation like that? They say, oh, they're too sheltered. They live in a bubble and they should be brought out of that bubble. You know, these freaks, they will stop at nothing to try and get your kids addicted to porn. It's absolutely sick and you need to avoid that. And, you know, I'm I'm a young guy. I'm 20. I don't have kids. I'm not married. And so because of that, a lot of people will say, you know, you don't know anything about raising kids, so don't tell me what to do. And and okay, that's not completely unreasonable. I might not know the very best way to to raise kids with the, you know, utmost precision, but I do have two points I want to bring up. One, the Bible talks about how to raise kids, and if you've read the Bible, you have an advantage over the parents who haven't. And so reading the Bible, I The Bible, it's like an instruction manual for life, and you turn to the Raising Kids section of the instruction manual, and well, there it is. There's the the lesson, which I have read, so I I have read the instruction manual for life. So I do have a little bit of an advantage there over a lot of the parents who have not read the instruction manual for life. And second, here's an analogy I like to use. I don't know how to build a car. I know very little about cars. But if I'm watching someone build a car and I see them hooking up the exhaust so that it pipes inside of the car, I can say, hey, you're building that car wrong and that's a disaster. Stop building the car like that. In the same way, I can do that when I see a parent and he's rewarding bad behavior, for example. I can say, hey, no, you're not supposed to do that. This is going to be terrible. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out when something is going dreadfully wrong. I also won the parent jackpot, and I can see how my parents raised me and think, yeah, this makes sense. I see why they did that. I see why doing these things helped me avoid these pitfalls, and I think other people should do this too. So I might not be a parental expert, but I do feel qualified to say, get your kids out of public schools. 
And, you know, a lot of people, they always ask, like, what can we do to start winning the culture? And that is a great starting point. If you haven't already, get your kids out of public schools and save their souls. All right. It is Telethon Month, so go to kgov.com and click the Telethon banner at the top of the, of the site if you enjoy our content and want us to continue producing more content here at kgov.com. And that includes the Monday through Wednesday show, Theology Thursday, and Real Science Radio on Fridays. If you want any of that to keep going, we ask that you help us out by going to kgov.com and buying something from the store or giving to help us keep going. It is so appreciated. Tomorrow's Theology Thursday is actually going to be fun. We're going to be airing the first sermon that my predecessor, Bob Enyart, gave at his very own Denver Bible Church over 20 years ago. That sermon was titled, What is a Church? And that should be really fun. I want to invite you this Sunday. I'm actually preaching at Denver Bible Church and we're going over the history and maybe some of the future of Denver Bible Church. That will be really fun. I hope you can make it there. I believe my brother Michael, who we had on the show about a month ago, I, I believe he's teaching Bible study. The Bible study starts at 930. That, that goes for about an hour. And then we have some fellowship. Then we have worship. And I'll be giving the sermon starting around 11. It should be really fun and historic. I hope to see you there. And we're actually playing this Theology Thursday the first sermon because it ties in nicely with the sermon on Sunday. So I hope to see you there. The address is 4085 Independence Court, Wheat Ridge, Colorado, 80033, right off of I-70 in Kipling. I also hope that you join us on Friday for Real Science Radio. I know Fred Williams, we were talking earlier, and I know he's got a great show lined up. And I've heard a little sneak peek of what he's going through. I'm really excited about that, especially what's going to be on that show about symbols. It's really interesting. You won't want to miss that. I'll see you Sunday at Denver Bible Church in person. But until then, this is Dominic Enya reminding you to follow Kyle Rittenhouse's example and do right and risk the consequences.